Oh, we say Happy Father's Day. There are a couple of fathers back that way. Thank you. Well, we um, are still in Philippians. We have one verse today. It's uh, chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. How about that? Our verse for the day. That's our section for the day. And uh, again, we have a text out of Philippians that is very, very familiar to all of us. Like, who hasn't heard this verse and have heard it many times, read it? Um, I think this is probably one of the most used verses in uh, the Bible as far as Christian athletes are concerned. Uh, They'll have it all over the uh, chains, uh, medals, uh, jewelry, plaques, those kind of gift items. Uh, And and you'll hear it uh, in prayers before athletic games and such. Uh, You'll see it on bookmarks and pocket cards. Um, it's it's a very applicable verse, I guess, in some ways. But sometimes I think it's probably used out of context. But I, I would believe uh, all of us have quoted this verse. Maybe it's one of our favorite verses. I think it's claimed by multitudes of people. And we must all admit that it does give us encouragement. Because it talks about the strength. It gives us a sense of strength whenever we have weakness. There are certain verses that we can draw upon, and that can be one that we can uh, definitely look at. I think it uh, sure fits perfectly in the context of where we have been and kind of where we're going here. We've been dealing with the peace of God, right? The God of peace, the peace of God, the contentment, knowing that He is a providential God. He is sovereign over all things. And uh, knowing He's that kind of a great God, He controls everything. He's in on every circumstance. And whether we're rich or poor or uh, content uh, is the whole idea. Whether things are not going the way that we would like or whether they're going the way that we like, whatever the deal is, we know no matter those circumstances, which change, those go up and down. But God never changes. God is so faithful in in everything. And so regardless of how things may seem sometimes, when we know the nature of God, when we know His promises, and some of those we read earlier in that uh, great confession of faith, there's never any reason whatsoever to be worried, to have anxiety. We've already seen that, that we're not to be doing that. And I think as we look at this epistle, we realize that the writer... Paul was an example of all this. This was really real in his life. As as he tells them, this is present in my life, then he wants that same kind of sense in their own lives. I don't think he was really phased any further about what circumstance that he was in as he wrote this as he was in prison. He He had a secret, as he said in verse 12. He said he had learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need, whatever it was. He learned how to get through those situations. And so he had reached a level of contentment that I believe that every Christian would love to have. But unfortunately, not every Christian has that. Uh, We aspire to that. Sometimes we just never reach that kind of level, but we'd really like to. But we know that we should be settled with a, a, a God who is so great as this and in control of all things. Just have a deep inner quiet about us, right? And you've heard of people say that they were 
attracted by certain Christians because of the peace that they had. They saw them go through situations and the, the deep inner quietness that they had attracted them to them and they became believers as a result. God drew them through those people. So anyway, I think as we think along with Paul, um, we can also do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Paul said that. I can do that. And we know that that is written for all Christians of all time. And we know that we can fulfill the demands of life because of Christ who's in us. And so this is why this verse 13 is is placed exactly where it is. It's not by accident. It's not just strung together here right at the end as Paul just starts thinking of some things and just plops them there. They're all in context, aren't they? And uh, they make a lot of sense to us. And, and I think this verse is such a diamond. It's just set in uh, a gold ring. And we see the glory of God in uh, this verse just shining through. And uh, as we see that, we just peer into the very beauty of God's Word. Isn't it uh, amazing how His Word speaks? And this is living the Christian life. This is our daily Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on and on through the months and the years. This is how we live. Philippians is really applicable, isn't it? We can really put these verses into our lives. So we're here to be edified. We're here this morning to experience the power of God. Do you like that? I mean, that means to let that Word come into our lives and come alive. You know, the Word of God is living and active. So let's experience that power and let Him speak to us about this strength. And this letter is written to all of us. You know, this is a personal letter to each one of us. Isn't that incredible? Even though it's written to the Philippians, and it's, it's written for here that we can study together, but it's written to you. I think that's significant. You have a God who really wants you to know about His power. You know, knowing His power will give you contentment. This is the Christian experience. Anyway, we'll start uh, here in verse 13, and we'll end in verse 13 today. Uh, We have a phrase here, I can do all things. I can do all things. Now, we're going to first talk about what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I can do absolutely anything that comes into my imagination. It uh, doesn't mean I can go out here and do unnatural things like just start flying. Jump off the building and fly across Jeff City. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd love to do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and no matter how many people would say, come on, you can do it, I can't do it because nobody else can either. We were not meant to do that. That's unnatural. Uh, anyway, uh, we could think of maybe I could, I would love to run 50 miles an hour. Nobody's ever done that. I don't think anybody has ever reached that kind of speed running. There's some great runners out there, and you'll see them in the Olympics, but no, if they can't do it, uh, you can guarantee that this man right here is not going to run 50 miles an hour, even though I like to sometimes. Uh, Or how about broad jump across the Niagara Falls? That's not asking too much, is it? I can do that. You can do it. You can do it. No, I can't do those kind of things even though Christ has strengthened me. Uh, so, and it doesn't mean that soccer players, because they believe in that verse, that they're going to go out and win every game that they play because they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. 
and, and at the end of the match or the game, then they can say, well, I did that because Christ strengthened me. Well, what about all the guys on the other team who lost who might have been Christians too? And they might have been praying, say, Lord, help us win, right? And that's not exactly what this passage means. It, it, it can mean give me the strength. You know, that I can physically do these things. Whatever, you know, I can do, Lord. You know, thank you for giving me this, this kind of physical abilities and such. But And it doesn't mean that Paul could go on forever without eating and drinking, as he said here, to get along uh, with humble means. And I know how to live in prosperity. And in and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Uh, how about thirsty and then having plenty of water you know he knows all that but he couldn't go forever without that he couldn't go 40 days without eating right there's going to be something there but at at the same time as he would go through those real situations god would be sustaining him un, until that supply that he needed would be there he you know and and god will provide us with the things that that we need but sometimes we have to come to the end of our resources. So we see some things what it doesn't mean, but what does it mean? We come to the end of all of our own supplying, our own resources, and we experience the power of Christ to sustain us until those provisions are made. It's all His strength. Uh, the word there is dealing with um, to be strong Iskaros is the word to be strong, to have strength. Uh, that's a, that's the key word for the day, I guess. Really, uh, in verse eleven and twelve, Philippians four eleven and twelve, he said, "Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity in every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being filled, going hungry, both of having abundance, suffering need." All those different situations, all the circumstances, all those things or things he didn't have that would seem like necessities, that's kind of what he's talking about here in verse 13. I can do all things. I can go through those times that are low or the times that are high. (laughs) I can do these things. I'm strong enough to go through anything because of Christ. He's putting the strength in me. I can go through these situations. Extremities. The X games of our life, right? (laughs) The extreme times that happen to us. I have no more human resources. I am laid out. I mean, physically, mentally, spiritually, everything is gone. I have nothing else to draw from. (laughs) And I am infused with the strength of Christ. He's infused that in us. This is about dropping to the bottom of human resources. We have nothing else to get it from. And then we realize the strength of Christ. That's, that's what it is. It's realizing that we're nothing and He is everything. And then being powered by that. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This Paul was one remarkable man. And that's what he was. Just a man with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. So in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10, after he has talked about going to the third heaven, and he really didn't have much to say about it because uh, it was too much to be able to really put on a human level. (laughs) And then God gave him a thorn, 
Right? That's the context of it all. The thorn in the flesh. And then he says in verse 9, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content, there's a word that we used last week so much, with weaknesses, look at this, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many times have we heard that verse, right? The weakness that we really have really gives God the opportunity to get the glory. The weaker we are, that we realize we are, the more God gets the glory. When He uses somebody that uh, is weak, He says, hey, you have sufficient power and grace in the worst circumstances. And that's when we become totally dependent on Him. Nothing to draw from on our own, and now it's all Him. And that is what Paul is talking about here. I can do all these things. Um, Paul became content with these things. Look at this. Did you see that? Verse 10? It sounds like last week's message. Therefore, I am well content with what? Weaknesses. With insults. He's even content when people cast insults at him. How can he do that, Paul? He's content. With distresses. You ever been distressed in your life? <laughs> and he, he was content whenever he had distresses. Now, that's incredible. That's not natural. That's right. It's supernatural. With persecution. I'm content with persecutions, Paul says. Oh, this, this is the kind of thing that only happens to apostles. Right? With difficulties. I, I, am, I am content with difficulties. Because it's for Christ's sake. It's all for God's glory. When I'm weak, then who gets all the glory and where's all the strength coming from? We know it sure wasn't me, right? How many times have we said, it wasn't me that did that? Yeah. People might be thanking you for whatever you might have done for them, whatever, and say, well, that was the Lord working through because I want to tell you that wasn't me in the flesh. I had nothing to draw from. Do we realize what this means? Let's think about this just for a second. Contentment comes when we are Stressed. You ever been stressed out? Automatic question. Nobody's going like that. But I know that if I really asked that question and had you answered, everybody would be going, Yeah, well, that's part of life. It does happen. Everybody's stressed, Christians, non Christians. Whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, the thing is that you become stressed. There are times of stress. And what Paul says here was, Oh, great. That's a good situation because now you are learning to become content. The more you have of those stressful situations, the more opportunity that you can show that it's not human strength anymore and it's all Christ who did that. You experience the power of Christ. You want to experience the power of Christ? Well, it's not exactly like when you are like Samson because we probably abuse that power. It's whenever He makes you weak. And then people can say, wow, look at the power of God working in him, right? So this is why Paul was content. 
Because he had a lot of situations where he had no human strength and had no capabilities and abilities for anything, and he could all he, all he could do was depend upon on God, on Christ, and, and experience the power of Christ. What an attitude! So when we realize we have no direction to go, we can only depend on the Lord. Then we learn to be more content. Are we learning contentment? Well, He uses insults and weaknesses and distresses and persecutions and difficulties and it's all for what? Christ's sake. Well, I thought it was for my misery. No, it's for Christ's sake. Wow, if we could just turn that around and think about that, everything that's coming on, you say, oh, well, this is for Christ's sake. It's for His glory. Different way of looking at it, isn't it? It's not natural. <laughs> this is drawing from a supernatural power. I'm t- this is power, folks. It's just like when Christ came, He didn't come in all the glorious array. He didn't come with the robes and being born in a palace and um, being able to have just people in throngs around Him as He was a kid growing up and such. We saw that He came in the opposite way, didn't He? And uh, He lived that way even though He was very glorious. He will come back as the King. (laughs) Glorious and as a judge. But that's the way that Christ did it and that's the way that He works with us most often to show how great He is. If I were to ask you, have you ever seen God work in your life? i got a feeling most of you would say, yeah, I've seen God do things that only He could do. Could you guys agree with that? I have seen things. I know that God did it. (laughs) And doesn't that make you want to trust in Him even more? I mean, just He does some incredible things. And even the the rainstorm that came last night, I don't know, but that kind of came as a surprise to me, the way that it came and and did it. And some of you, uh, like the lightning, it had a show. It was instead of coming down, and I was talking to Johnny, it was going from side to side. And it was like, wow, isn't God even gracious in this? You know, showing His might and His power and giving us a little relief. And and God is a gracious God. Now, if we had been in the month of April, we probably wouldn't have thought too much about that. Uh, It's been raining every day. If you haven't had it for a while, you're thinking, wow, this all comes from God, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. He meets the needs. Might be so easy to worry. Isn't it easy to worry? Isn't it easy to be anxious and not have peace? Well, that's and it does happen when you say, "Oh, I just did it. I just put on my worry face." And the thing is, is the natural started overwhelming us, and we didn't let the supernatural efficiency of His grace come in and control us. We've seen His power move. And it's always there. His power is just moving constantly. I can do. That's that's a power word. To be strong. I can do. I mean, it's a mighty, powerful word. I have the ability to deal with any kind of material circumstance that comes my way. I said that. You guys can say it too. You have said it. I can do this. Of course, Christ is always a qualifier. We can meet anything that comes along. I have the power to go through all these things. It's an amazing, immense amount of power when that is thought about. When you're at the end of the rope, 
when you're at the end of your resources and you're dependent on the Lord and you see the movement of His power, you are content. And it's happened before. It's happened to you before. And it'll continue to happen. Matter of fact, it can happen all the time. If we would take and just just imagine what's what's happening here now, and I know, right? I can do all things. We know that through Christ. Now your version might say through Him, saying the same thing, right? It means Christ. Through Christ, through Christ. That's how I do it. That's how I can do it. It's through Him because He's in us, and we are in Him. For sense of mystery. But we have to realize this most amazing biblical truth. It's quite a mystery. He is in us. The very God, the Creator of the universe, lives in me, lives in you, lives in the whole body of Christ. He lives there. He takes up His residence. He dwells there. So we want to make it feel comfortable there, right? As He sits down and... This is one of the greatest doctrines in the Bible. Did you know that? I mean, the, the doctrine of the church, or which is so often termed as the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. What a grand doctrine. It means that we are connected to Him. Connected. United. I know you know that. I know you've seen all the verses, but it's an incredible thought to be meditating on. I'm connected to Him. I I came here this morning. He was in me. I was in Him. I'm connected to Him. This should cause amazement. Every time we read about this and hear about that, we should be amazed. We should be awed at this God who takes up residence in us. And there He is. I mean, all the strength we, we can ever imagine. The life of Christ is in the soul of man. Now, there was a book by Henry Scougar, and that was the title of it. The Life of Christ in the Soul of Man. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It talks about the body. A great chapter on spiritual gifts in the body. Body being united. And in 12.13 it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized, placed into, immersed into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. There's the unity. Christ's body is, is all in one. One body. Even though there are a lot of different denominations and there are all sorts of different kind of theologies, people who are true Christians are all one body. We are in unity together. We're trying to beat out some of the things that we're trying to understand and there's discrepancies sometimes. We're trying to understand that together. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, until we come to the unity of the faith, uh, until we become united in, in every aspect about who God is, and boy, none of us have it together, all together. We, we've got a lot of truths, and we're learning more and more about this God, aren't we? And it never stops. That's the beauty of it. We never can get bored with God's Word. Because you can say, oh, I've read this passage before, and yeah, you get into it, and all of a sudden you read something in there that you never thought of before. It's like it just lifted off the page, comes alive, and you go, wow. 
if we should always be going, wow, or whatever term you want to use, or just amazed, what a God we have. And we're connected to Him. Oh, Galatians 2.20. Uh, I know that you have this memorized. You've heard it many times. I have been crucified with Christ. That's a truth. We were crucified with Him. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. The gospel truth, isn't it? An amazing thing. We died with Him. We were crucified. And now we have a resurrection life. And this life that we are in, in these material fleshly bodies, is the life of Christ. We live by faith in this Son of God as He lives in us. The life which I live is His life living in me. (laughs) What a supernatural strength we can have. I can do all things through Christ (laughs) because He's here. He's living in me. Supernatural strength is in me. That's why I can do all things. (laughs) To understand how the power of Christ works in us. To understand our relationship to our Lord. If we can understand how the power of Christ works in us, then we can understand how we relate to Christ. We're joined. Reunited to Him. We're not merely loosely attached. You know what I mean? No, we're firmly united into Him. We are a living connection with vitality. Organic. It's real. Now, that's, that's the body that's joined to Christ. Let's look at Christ, the head of the church. If you have a body, you have to have a head. Can you imagine a body running around without a head? You remember, you, you've, seen, you've seen chickens with their heads cut off and the bodies running around going spastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's gross, isn't it? But that's the way it is. You know, no, we have a head that is commanding the directions. Sometimes we are spastic as a body. You know, he tells the commands and we do other things. But truly, He's making this thing come together. Body needs the head, but you know what? We don't think of this too often, but the head needs the body. If you have a head, if He's created that church, and then Christ comes here on the earth and then says you know, that really He is the head, then a head without a body is not right either, is it? That's what He's chosen to do. He's chosen to take a body. The body alone is incomplete and the head alone is incomplete now. So the body and the head are one in this mystical sense. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says, we are part of the fullness of the Lord. The body and the head are one in this mystical sense. We're related to the nerve center. The head is the nerve center, right? That's uh, the very very source, the very center of the church. Let's look at that famous chapter of John 15. Night before He's crucified. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is a great illustration. He 
says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, he who lives in me, dwells in me, he who sticks around, hupomeno, remains under, who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And in Philippians it says, I can do all things through the vine. Right? This is how we can do it. It's through Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing spiritually. We can't really do anything that would bring glory to Him without Christ. Look in John 1.16 while you're in John. This Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Then in verse 16 he says, For of His fullness, we have all received. Grace upon grace. Stacked upon it. Grace, 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 grace. God's grace. <laughs> For of His fullness, we have all received. We have the fullness of God in us. Boy, should that ever start changing our attitudes. Because Christ lives in us. He didn't give us a little bit of Him. He gave us everything of Him. And yet we're not God. We're, we're human beings and we always will be. We'll never become God. We're not getting into Mormon doctrine here, but we are saying we receive the fullness of God. However that means, it means that we have everything that we need. Wow. Second Peter 1.4 And that will explain that a little bit further too, I believe. It's helpful. Second Peter one four, as he's talking about, he called us by his own glory and excellence. His glory, his excellence. He called us. For by these he has granted, he has gifted, graced us to us his precious and magnificent promises. Those are meaty words, aren't they? So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. This is God's Word. I'm not making this... I never want to even make that up. It almost sounds New Age stuff. It almost sounds like we are God. We know it's not speaking of that. As you read the context of Peter, you'll find that out in the rest of the Bible. But he's saying the very nature of God... His promises and, and the very nature of Him, we partake of who He is. We reside in Him. He resides in us. Wow. I keep hitting this. I know I'm uh, repeating myself so much, but I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by it. As I think about this, it's incredible. Different writers wrote this. It's not just picking out one verse and making it say something. It's not. The life of the head is residing in us. The life of the head, the life of God, the life of Christ is in us. We derive our energy from the head. So therefore, Paul says, I can do all things. The head controls the energy of the whole body. All of nature depends on hidden resources. When you think of just nature itself, think of the trees. There's some pretty good trees around here. A lot of tall trees. They have to have roots. They root far into the ground. If they're not rooted good enough, then a nice storm comes along you'll see them laying on the ground and it's because they had so much water they didn't have to go deep. Without the deep roots, uh, whenever the storm comes, what happens? 
goes down. I've seen those in uh, up near Warrensburg uh, whenever they've had tornadoes and you'd see a lot of trees uprooted. I think sometimes Warrensburg gets more rain than we do, especially in the uh, springtime, a little bit more rain. I don't know, scientifically, I don't know if that's true or not. It sure seems like it as I watch weather patterns. But that is so true, though, to nature, isn't it? And um, if you go up to Michigan, you have some even taller trees. Taller trees than what we have. If you want to go to Oklahoma, then you start seeing the little short trees. You ever seen those? They're like stumps. <laughs> and you make fun of them. You know, where are those? That's a bush, right? No, that's a tree. And they come up here and they go, wow, I've got some tall trees. Then you go to Michigan and you just keep looking up. (laughs) But they're rooted, aren't they? They rooted. Now they have some pretty good flat winds that come along and can knock some of those trees down, but it takes a lot to do that. But they're rooted, right? Okay, got that example through, right? Enough of that. How about rivers? They're a source also too, right, of our water. But what's their source? What's the riverbeds? It's the mountains. The mountains have the, the snow. And the snow melts and comes down and they have those flows and boy, all of a sudden it goes into the streams and rivers and feeds those. That's the deep resources. right? You've got to have resources. We have to draw upon the deep resources. We have to draw upon the head or we'll fail whenever the pressures of life come. Whenever the storms come, if we don't have our deep roots, then we're going to fall, aren't we? Deep resources. How many have heard of Hudson Taylor? Quite the great missionary that God used out of China. Quite encouraging. He had a book written about him that illustrated this very point here. Um, many years he worked hard in the mission field, gave effort, trusted Christ for his needs. He said, what's the problem? Well, he had no joy in his ministry. Really is what it came down to. Then a friend wrote a letter to him that just opened up his eyes. Now, Hudson Taylor was a spiritual man. But things were not... I guess you can say he wasn't quite content. He didn't have the joy that he would like to have had. And the letter just opened his eyes to the sufficiency of Christ. The sufficiency of Christ. It said this, It is not by trusting my own faithfulness, but looking away to the faithful one. It's not me trusting in my faith. It's not me having faith in my faith. It's not me, if I only believe harder, this will happen. No, our faith is in Him. Not if I can just believe this even more. That's not the point. Faith is trusting in God. Have faith in God. Not in me. Not in even my faithfulness. Might have a good walk going, I think, but it's still going to fall short. Faithfulness is in him. That was the turning point in Hudson Taylor's life. As spiritual and godly this man was, the light turned on, and he saw that he was to draw upon the power of Christ for every responsibility that the day would bring. And Christ's power carried him through. And so he drew from the head. Even though intellectually he knew about that, it finally struck exactly where he needed to see it. And boom, 
things happen. Henry Skugel, that I was just mentioning, who wrote that book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man. Think about that. The Life of God and the Soul of Man. Said this, Never does a soul know what solid joy and substantial pleasure is till... Ready? Waiting? Commercial break. (laughs) Being weary of self, it renounces all property and gives itself up to the author of its being. I think we sang a song earlier. I think it was the first song we sang today. And it's very timely. Because it's talking about surrendering ourselves. In the sense, yes, we've already surrendered our life, you know, and do we continue to surrender? I mean, but it's saying that I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving it up. I'm, I'm realizing I'm holding on to too much of myself. I need to just let it go. That's hard, and, and we take it back. We're, we're what do they call that? Indian givers. <laughs> God, this is yours. It's all yours. Giving self up. All him. And then we come to the part what is true of Christ is true of us. Now that is overwhelming. What is true of Christ is what is true of us. We were once in Adam. You know, as in Romans uh, chapter 5, we were all in Adam. Uh, in our sinful flesh. We were in sin. We were in Adam. We were born in Him. All the human race was. We were dead in our sins, Right? We now are very much alive and are called to be, we are actually called this, in Christ. Now we are in Christ, right? We've been crucified with Christ. We are we're dead with Christ. And we were buried with Christ. Romans 6 illustrates that very well. And we are risen with Christ. You know, that's used as a formula for baptism. Although it's not necessarily talking about baptism there, but it's a great illustration of showing that we died with Christ and then we came up anew and we have resurrection life now. Right? And not only that, but according to the Word of God, we don't see it. We live by faith. Right now, we live in the heavenly places. And you can say, what do you mean? I'm right here at... uh, Concord Baptist Association building. Yeah, but spiritually, you are seated in the heavenly places, a place we've never even seen. That really is our home. And we're seated there. Look at look in Ephesians chapter 2. Just a book back before this. All the precious promises and the glorious truths that are in Scripture, do they not blow you away? And it's just unbelievable some of the things where He has put us. It says in verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made, He did this, folks. This is all about the glory of God. He made us, we didn't make ourselves alive. We didn't just wake up out of our death and say, I think I'll wake up out of myself being dead. No, He made us alive together with Christ. And then you have this, by grace you have been saved, just to make it click a little bit more. It was grace, it wasn't your own great intellectual mind and how great of a person you're going to be. He says, no, by grace you've been saved. And look at this, and raised us up. He brought us alive and then raised us up with Him. And He says, I'm going to take you one step further. 
seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's really where we're at. That starts getting us past all these little daily things that we have to deal and battle with. Yes, that's true. Yes, we do that. But at the same time, if you can think these truths and think, oh, yeah, but I'm really seated in the heavenlies. I'm past this kind of thing. I'll have to deal with this, but it's only through Christ's strength. Look where He puts me. Boy, boy, that is just staggering. Isn't it? Isn't that staggering? Look in Colossians 3.1. Therefore, because of this, if you have been raised up with Christ, He says, here's what you do right now. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Where's that? Well, it's seated at the right hand of God. And He says, set your mind on the things above. Not on things out on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. You know, There's the ultimate sense. Even right now we're with Him, but we don't see that because we have to live by faith. But when this time comes, He takes it all the way to the point where we will reveal revealed in glory. Where we'll be, we'll be seeing Him as He is. And we'll be seeing ourselves as in glory. And we'll look at each one and see each other in glory. Does that kind of stagger you a little bit? All of us. We'll see each other and we'll see all the other loved ones that are believers and then all dating all the way back to the Old Testament people and such. Can you imagine just running in to people you knew at church? There they are. Well, we're seated there right now. We, we want to keep our mind there even though we're in our bodies here. Our bodies can't go there. I thank the Lord our bodies can't go there. Because we have new glorious bodies that will never have a problem again. Okay. Anyway, He gives us that kind of hope. We're already there. We've already been united with Him. So we're united with Him in the heavens. That's what it, Now, the power of God. How many want to talk about the power of God? The power of God. I think we probably have sang some songs this morning about the power of God. Read some scripture about the power of God. Uh, there is no other kind of power on earth that can be compared with the power of God. And if you want to look at those little lightning storms, just a little picture of His power. And that is power. I don't know of any, any kind of man or system on this earth that can create a light show like that lightning, right? That's just a little glimpse of His power. That's, to Him, that's nothing. To us, it's whoa. You know, it's, it's power enough to take your TVs off. Computers down. Let's take a look at this strength that God has. Let's, let's take a look at His very power. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, and I love his adjectives. Don't, don't we love some of the things that he says? And of course, wherever you're at at the time is the most greatest place you can be. He says this. I, I love this. We're about to enter one of the sublimest chambers of the palace where the exceeding riches of God's grace are stored. This is the power which God is working in believers. 
<laughs> Isn't that great? You want to go into the palace and look at the great riches that God has? He says, what I want you to do is take a look at God's truth about this and look and see what He's doing in you. Are you ready for that? Let's look at this power. This is one of the greatest powers. He says, the sublimest chambers of the palace. It's sublime. It's the, it's the greatest. It's the sweetest. I mean, it's, it's exceeding riches. God's grace stored right here in me, in you. Here we go. We're going to look at Ephesians 1. It's a prayer that Paul has after he's already told them that um, God chose him for the foundation of the world. And that He loved them. That He predestined them. That they're adopted into the family. And it's all about His praise and His glory. And we have been redeemed and we've been forgiven according to the rich of His grace. And He's lavished all His wisdom and insight. He makes known this mystery. He just keeps on going. talks about us being sealed in the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of that, He says, Oh, I have just given you spiritual truths that only Christians can believe, can even understand, have an idea what it's about. These are deep truths that come from the very throne room of God when you read that Ephesians 1. And then he says, oh, I have to pray for these people that they would understand what this means. And and so that's what he does. For this reason, I too, verse 15, have heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I'm going to save some time. Drop down to verse 19. Alright? And what is the surpassing, exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Okay, let's hang on that. In this prayer, Paul's praying for the Ephesians that they'd know the power of God. Oh, if you could only get this. He wants to give them assurance. He wants to give them certainty that the Christian has absolute confidence and he emphasizes it's all based on the power of God in the saints. He's put that power in there and he says, I want you to have that confidence. It's God's power that's in it. If you have to trust in your own power, folks, you're not going very far. Boom, you're done. <laughs> but when His power is working in us, absolute confidence is to be there. That's what He wants. So the power of God is working in us, He says there. The greatness of power is seen in... Look in Romans chapter 1. The power that happened when you became a believer. What a blast of divine dynamite happened here. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the what? The power of God. For what? For salvation. To everyone who believes, to you first, all to the degree. Wow, this is uh, unbelievable. It's the power of God. It's that kind of dynamite that got you saved. To bring a dead person into Spiritual life is a power of God. It's what's working. Salvation is a result of God's power at work in me and through me. It is not my power plus God's power for salvation. You will never see that. That's what an Arminian view. 
That's a popular theology in the, in the body of Christ today and what a shame it is because they're not giving God His fullest due. They're saying, well, it's my power plus His power. No, it's God's power. And this is a demonstration. It was the power of God. The, the Gospel was that saved. It was His power that did that. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Just incredible. Boy, He gets all the glory, doesn't He? When we look at these passages, we say as we read this, this is for your glory, God. For our Gospel, the Gospel we preach, did not come to you in word only. We didn't just give you the word of truth, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an intellectual exercise we were giving, and you had an intellectual exercise to believe, but it was the Word of God along with what? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit power to bring you to life. And with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we are pre to be on We brought the Gospel to you, but it was the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who came in and regenerated you, brought you life, the power of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Now here's another famous verse that many of you probably have heard many times. Memorized, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You are a new creature. You, You know... Just like that, you became new. Only God's power can do that. What power it is. It takes the power of God to make a new creation. It took the power of God to create, and it took the power of God to regenerate, didn't it? So when we talk about energy, when we talk about strength, when we talk about might, when we talk about power, there's really only one source. It is Him, is it not? strength of God should stagger our minds. It should make us real and stagger amongst these stupendous, magnificent thoughts. Uh, the power of the resurrection. Look in Ephesians 1.20. That's that text that we were just looking at. He uses an example there of His power. How is it most seen? What is the biggest display of His power? Right here. 20 says, when He brought about in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, see the his right hand. He raised Christ. He's dead and He raises Him. That is the sunum bonum of what power is. He defeated death, didn't He? The most magnificent display. And you can start thinking, well, creation was a mighty act, and it was. And then providence. The providence of God working in everything and sustaining the earth, sustaining our lives. That's the power of God, isn't it? And then you can think of the power of God in the Old Testament. You know, the judgments, Sodom and Gomorrah. How about the flood? What kind of power did that take to do all that? That's an incredible amount of power. The Red Sea... Uh, you know, the Egyptians and the Red Sea then engulfing them and the, uh, the Israelites being saved out of that. But the resurrection is chosen over all those things. To, he goes right to the very top of this whole thing. The most supreme, supreme, the most powerful demonstration. The last enemy has already been defeated. Death has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Now, that's the power of God. The exceeding greatness of His power. You want to 
powerful display. Well, the 4th of July is pretty powerful. You see all those fireworks going off. You have some, you know, at your house maybe. And wow, wow. You know, and then you even see them like maybe at the Capitol. Wow, look at that. You know, and they last for a few seconds, a few minutes, and they're all done. And, you know, that's kind of cool and it's kind of neat to see. Pretty powerful and they can make your ears hurt and everything. And then you start thinking, comparing that to the power of God and it's like, is that the best you could do? (laughs) Uh, Got the rockets that go to the moon. Oh, little man. Start looking at the universe that goes out much further and all the millions of galaxies that extend on. Stagger, doesn't it? Well, that's His power. But you know what? The power to us who believe. The power to us who believe. That's in the, in the Ephesians 2 here, right? The surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. Surpassing greatness is meaning that we can't even understand all this. I, I, can't, I can't fathom it. This goes way beyond my thinking. The surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. Now this gets us involved. The word there is in dunamao. Dunamis. Dynamite. That's kind of related to that power. And the word and the little two letters that would be E-N related to in the English means to bring in. Power that is inserted into us. Our very believing the gospel is by the power of God. First Corinthians two. Have to go to that. We're kind of winding down here now. First Corinthians two, verse fourteen. An overwhelming passage. And at the new birth, this is what God did to us. If I get out Second Corinthians, go to First Corinthians, it would probably help. Here we go. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Right? Natural man cannot, will not. For they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually praises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We start thinking the way that Christ thinks. Of course, He's revealed His Word to us. The Spirit comes in and He gives us the thoughts of God. Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. It's not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. We're learning deep things of God when we we peer into this. This is powerful. You know, the whole of your Christian life, not just the resurrection that you're going to happen, that's going to be an amazing thing, isn't it? Because of what Christ uh, did as He resurrected. But the, the mighty working of power of God is in us right now. Are we aware of this? When you were saying, when you were just read a scripture there, and you're probably thinking, oh, that's, that's right, I forgot about that. You say, well, I haven't thought about that before. Oh, that's incredible. It just jumps off the page here, starts coming to life. Did you know that that was the very electricity, the power of God 
that just struck home to you there? That's how real He is as He's in us. He's right here with us. Well, He's right in you. And He's showing His power. This is essential for us to know. If we don't, we'll be depressed. We can be unhappy. We can be unjoyful the rest of our Christian lives. Can Christians be unjoyful? Is there such a thing as unjoyful? Not joyful? Hey, I make it up as it goes, you know, folks. <laughs> because of the power of the forces that come against us, this is why this is so essential to know this, that we have all the power that we ever need. All the worldliness that comes against us, all the things that allure us, the traps that are there, we have the power of God to go beyond us. His power is much more than all that. The flesh, we know what the flesh wants to do, right? Uh, the, the physical conditions, maybe with our bodies, the force of habits that we have, all those things coming against us, and of course, not to mention the devil himself, the demons come against us. All these things happen all this time. That's why it's so important to draw upon what we've just been talking about. We have the source. We can go right to the head and draw from Him because we have all the power to defeat all that. Um, So, it's essential that we know because of the power of the forces. It's also essential because we are to be obedient. And how can we be obedient if we're not drawing upon the source of God. Look in Philippians 2, verse 13. This is the same book we've been in. Matter of fact, it will be quite familiar. How about verse 12? So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as my presence only, but now much more in the absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out, right? Well, how can I do that? Uh, well, for it's God who is at work in you. Holy Spirit is in us. Christ is in us. God is living in us. For it is God who is working in us. And He's doing it right now. As, as we speak, as we're sitting here, uh, and matter of fact, our minds might even be wandering because Dennis has been speaking way too long. <laughs> Not an hour yet. Okay. I don't apologize. Sorry. He's working in us, folks. He's doing a work in us. We don't see it. We don't feel it. But He's doing it right now. And He's stacking truth upon truth. You've seen this verse before. You've heard it many times. And now He's just stacked it on there again. And say, I, you know, I can't even remember any messages about this. You know, I, I might have heard it from this guy, this guy, this guy. I've read this. But, but I, I, I get it. I know kind of what it means here. And I know there's more truth to it. But I, I understand this. It's God who's work in me. And it's both the will and the work for His good pleasure. Uh, work out this salvation. Now it is up to me to do this. He's worked in me. Here's where I do come into play now. Because I have all the power. Now I can choose to be obedient or disobedient. We have no excuse though because we have everything that we need to live this life. The whole of the Christian life. So it's very necessary for us to know how powerful it is that what God has done in us. And He's going to bring this to perfection. Do you remember Philippians 1 verse 6? Uh, Paul is just beating this in us all through the letter of Philippians. Have you noticed that? 
For I am confident of this very thing. What's Paul confident of? That He who began a good work in you, a good work in you, and He's working right now, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, when He comes back. It'll come to complete perfection. He says, I'm confident in this right now. He's going to do it. Whatever work He started on you, He will bring it to perfection. You can say, yeah, but uh, what if I start messing up and I sin really bad and I don't confess my sin? Well, I'll tell you what. He will do whatever it takes to make you holy. Because that's what kind of God He is. That's a great God. Yeah, we can straight off. And He'll take that crook. He'll take that staff take us by the neck and bring us right back in there. Now, He might let us go out for a while. might be quite some time. But I will tell you, He's still going to work a work in you. Moses went away. It was like 40 years before he was able to finally do that work that God had planned for him originally. But he, he did the work. Did the work. God worked in him. With the obedient life, we are sustained by His power. And I think that's the whole key. If we're not dis- if we are not obedient, we're not going to experience the power. We're not going to experience peace. We're not going to experience the very grace of God. We're not going to feel that. We're not going to experience because obedience is the key. We are to work that out. And so there's where it comes into living that kind of life. And we have everything that we need. So we don't apologize that we have the inner man. Lloyd-Jones said this, when we truly analyze ourselves, we see that we are very weak and feeble. If we really look at ourselves, we must be strengthened. And we know we have all the strength in us, but yet we must continue to be strengthened. It's just like, yes, we have been forgiven all our sin, but yet we are to confess our sins. Right? All that's been taken care of. But yet, He wants us to acknowledge that we are nothing without Him. And we have to be strengthened. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, Though our outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Uh, literally, a flesh... There are cells that are dying, aren't they? And But yet, we're being renewed spiritually. That inner man is renewed. Physical flesh is not. It's dying. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by things? Things that are happening in your life and you're just ready to faint? Yeah. Yeah. We all have. We've been there. We've been there a lot. Do you know how to retreat to the inner man? Ephesians 3.16 Again, prayer. We're about down here now. This is our last text I think we're going to borrow from. Yeah, it is. He says a prayer in chapter 1. Now he says another prayer in chapter 3 because he just kept overwhelming. Now he's talked about the church, the body of Christ, how it operates, and where we're placed at. And he says... I want to. I want you to understand this somehow. He's talked about a great mystery, and he, he says, "I have to pray for you." He gets to verse sixteen that he would grant you, that he would grant you, according. Now it's not 
out of the riches of His glory, but according to the riches of His glory. He's not going to give you a little bit of it, or quite a bit of it, or a lot of it. No, He gives it all. According to the riches of His glory. To be strengthened with power. Those are power words, I think. Strength, power, through His Spirit in the inner man. That's your new person. That's your new man. The, the flesh uh, really is... It, it's dead. But you have an inner man there. A new man. A new creation. God is building up and building up. We edify. We're, we're edified by that. And what it is, is that when we're renewed day by day, we're renewed in our whole being. We are renewed by the Word of God. How does the word of, mind, word of God get to you? It's through the mind, right? Your whole being is your mind, emotions, and will. That's, that's your soul. This is, this is your being. So your mind is renewed. Remember 12.2 uh, of Romans? Being renewed. It has to be strengthened because what's going to happen is doubt, deception, depression, evil thoughts come to our mind. And we've talked about this many times. And if we go into the Word of God, then we're renewed and we start thinking the right way. Right kind of thinking then leads to right living, right? As we've seen in Philippians. So... You retreat to the inner man by renewing your mind, going to the Word of God, letting that saturate, be thinking about it. Then also in the heart, or I refer to this as the part uh, that would be maybe uh, your, your emotional aspect. We're attacked by fears. You become, uh, we become afraid. Imaginations. That's where the worries come in. Anxiety. We start imagining things that could happen, that might happen, that may never happen, that won't happen. We imagine all those things and they're coming at us and all of a sudden we've built this little bitty thing up and it is just incredible. It's immense. It's powerful. I'll never get out of this. It's terrible. This is the worst thing anybody could go through. Oh, it's all terrible. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and all of a sudden your emotions are just flying everywhere. And that happens to all of us. You can say, hey, you're picking on me. No, 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 no. Listen, this happens to us. We can be discouraged and nothing may be even happening. But we imagine and we worry. See, the enemy loves to do that. The flesh loves to do that. But if we renew our minds, then it also starts taking care of the emotions, doesn't it? And then what's next in the inner man? Well, his will. What he does. If he's thinking right, he has right emotions, then He acts upon that, and so you have right thinking, right living. And we turn to this. The will. Our wills are feeble, aren't they? Our wills are weak. We want to do righteous things as Christians. Romans 7 says, but we, we can give up. And we can become uh, afraid. And all of a sudden, we're, we're not where we'd like to think. This is why we need to be strengthened. We have to do that. That's why we read the Word of God. That's why we study the Word of God. And that's why we want to then live that out. That's why we meet when we do. Because we want to be strengthened. That's really what it's about. To edify. To give that out so that we can become stronger. And so when those things come about, then we can draw upon them. And I'm ready to close this out. You guys ready? I'm going to sum this up in this. If we realize that these are possibilities for us, 
and they're more than possibilities because they are there, but they're possibilities in the sense that we choose to, to do that. If we desire them, then we can ask God, according to the riches of His glory, that's reinforced by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that He has promised to do that. He never breaks a promise. And Christ will dwell or make Himself comfortable in you by faith to be such as a wondrous, glorious, supreme possibility for everyone at this moment in Jesus Christ by the grace of God and for His glory. In Christ. Right? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You.